Welcome back to The Andrew Curtis Show. Now, if you've listened for a while, you'll know that I am fascinated by ideas that lead to people's journeys of growth and development, how they've found the things that are most important to them and their ways of contributing and making a difference in the world. But every now and then, I also become aware of things that I think are important that the world needs to know more about. Uh, you might have heard a podcast I did a little while ago about the South African farm attacks. Um, but this, what we're going to talk about today is a bit closer to home. Uh, a friend of mine reached out and said, do you know much about what's going on with the nursing at the moment? And having had some uh, family uh, health uh, challenges over the last little while and, and closer exchanges with nurses, I knew how important um, this was. But I didn't really understand the depth of the challenge that was being experienced. And you might have seen articles and, and programs on TV as well that were bringing a little attention to this. But I knew that I needed to know more and that I only had a, a superficial understanding. And so, uh, thankfully, um, I had somebody who said, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to have a bit of a chat about this and, and let you know what nurses uh, are up against. And so, uh, Danny Wilkinson, very graciously, <laughs> agreed to appear on the show. So, uh, hello, Danny. Hi. And Danny's a registered nurse, and um, really, I've, I've said to her that she's got an open forum, really, to talk about what's <laughs> been going on. So, yeah, Danny, where would you like to start? <laughs> um, there's a, a lot probably that needs to be covered and that would like the public to be aware of. Um, safe staffing is obviously high on everyone's list of things to talk about at the moment. Um, obviously the pay issues and the 2% pay offer that we were offered a couple of weeks back. And upcoming strikes and public perception of what nursing is and what nurses do I think is also really important because I think it'll help people gain a better understanding of why we need better staffing and more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, what's number one for you right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, safe staffing is probably high on the list. Yeah. And a lot of us feel really strongly that this isn't something that nurses should have to address as part of our uh, our fight. Mm. Um, but it seems to be something that we are having to fight, um, and to to work hard to kind of gain, um, which is a bit frustrating. We should have to be. We shouldn't have to be fighting for public safety. Yeah. Essentially, but we are. Um, so what are the what are the elements of that battle then? What's what's making safe staffing a an issue? Um, I, I think management tightening the purse purse strings comes into it. But um, I, I know a lot of nurses are, are working really really hard, and not always getting the breaks that they're legally entitled to, or having to work through breaks. They're having to stay back late at the end of their shift to finish patient notes because they haven't had time to do it. Sure. And you can't say to a patient, "No, you have to wait. I have to finish my notes." You kind of put the patient's needs first. Yeah, of course. And then we still legally we have to write these notes and sort of write down about the care we've provided and make sure that the next shift knows what's going on. Mm. So it's all, it's an important aspect of the job, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of time allocated or allowed for it. Mm. And, and this idea of time allocation too, and some of the, the conversation we had kind of around starting this mm. particular episode as well, seems to be massive. Like this this idea that every, every minute is accounted for. Yeah. So uh, a few years back, um, the DHBs in New Zealand started introducing a system called uh, Trendcare. And I think it's in use in every DHB in New Zealand now, and I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> I think everyone who knows me and has worked with me will attest to that. Yes, it feels like a bit of an understatement right now. Yeah. In the same I... way that like four-year-olds are not fans of Brussels sprouts, like, you know... <laughs> I hate treating the care with a passion. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right. Um, and certainly my um, colleagues at the hospital would agree that they, that's something that they would agree with me on that. Yeah. Um, 
It's a system that was brought in ostensibly uh, several years ago to manage patient acuity and staffing so that we could get to um, better staffing levels when we needed them. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it right from the beginning, and this is obviously my personal opinion, um, as a way of justifying our nursing time and perhaps allowing management to um, downplay, I guess, the, the requirement for safe staffing. Mm. So when we're talking about patient acuity, some patients don't require a whole lot. They just need a little bit of um, medication, maybe some pain relief, maybe just regular observations, heart rate, blood pressure, that sort of thing, recordings. Um, but can shower and bath themselves, can take themselves to the toilet and can look after themselves essentially. And they don't require a lot, so they don't take up a lot of time. Yeah. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got patients who just, they need everything. They mm. can't toilet themselves, they can't shower themselves. They're on a lot of medications, perhaps they need breathing support, perhaps they need more regular observations done, um, particularly post-operatively, they need dressing changes, all those sorts of things. So trend care was designed apparently to kind of capture that and then go, okay, these patients need this much nursing care in an eight hour shift. You've got this many nurses and that's how it's gonna work. Mm. Um, but even in an area, even the area I was working in where it's manageable and for the most part staffs are get, staff are getting breaks and, and finishing kind of on time. Um, when we do our trend care numbers, we're understaffed yeah. But Trinky doesn't also capture those things that we do that can't really allocate a task to. Mm. Maybe we're not necessarily doing observations, but we're spending time reorientating a confused patient to where they are and what's mm. going on. Or just holding hands or answering call bells or mm. helping staff out because other staff out because they're not sure how to administer a particular medication or all those sorts of things that Trinky doesn't capture that also take up a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and note writing. We have to write notes at the end of every shift on every patient. If you've got six patients and you've done a lot for those patients throughout the day, that's a good hour of just note writing right there. And trend care certainly doesn't capture that either. Right. So when management are looking at staffing, they're looking at, oh, trend care says you've got plenty of time to do all of these things. It's not capturing all of these things. So how was trend care sold to you at the very beginning then? <clears throat> Because obviously somebody thought it was a great idea. <laughs> somebody did think it was uh, it was a great idea, and we were told that it was um, invented and developed by a nurse. So I was quite surprised at that. Okay. <laughs> In Australia, I believe, um, it was sold as a way of us being able to document how much patient care we were providing, so that management could see physically. Here's a piece of paper, or here's a program that tells us how much staff we need, and also you have to do it you've got no choice mm. <laughs> so um what if management this this might be hard to uh, is, is listening to you right now what does management actually want like it, because it seems that when these kind of things emerge there's this I, I don't know what the objective is um i i may be approaching it from a kind of a cynical kind of perspective i think management of find trying to find ways to justify the staffing levels the way they are right here's this program that's going to do it and save us money. Right. Um, that, that was what I, that's what I think, but also make us justify our time so mm. that we're, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I, it's never to my, from what I've seen, it's never been used to improve staffing in an area. That's mm. for sure. Mm. It, it seems like a lot of these battles are not over quality of care. Definitely not over which, quality. Which as a, 
third party looking in, mm. I would love to hear nurses and management fighting over, no, this cares for people better. And yeah. you don't, <laughs> as listening to you now, thinking, you know, I don't think I've ever heard that as a thing. It, it, it always seems to come down to dollars and cents. So yeah. there's something about how we're doing this, which is aggravating I, it. I think this is something lost between the sort of on the floor and lower management, i.e. the charge nurse managers. And we are yeah. all about patient care. And yeah, then sure. as, as you go further up the food chain, um, it becomes about money management. Yeah. And I think health should never be a for-profit business and mm. I understand we have to adhere to budgets and we can't go spending willy-nilly but mm. I don't think staffing should be something that we're scrimping on in any way mm. it, it feels like uh, we did mention this a little bit before as well but it just feels like a very low trust environment very much so it, it, it definitely feels that way in a lot of in a lot of ways um, the orientation for nurses is ridiculous we come out of university with degrees so Generally speaking, we're intelligent people. Yeah. Uh, we're able to get through one of the hardest degrees that's possible to, to do. We're expected to do a full university course load and work on clinical placements mm. um, while spending our money to, for the privilege. Mm. <laughs> um, to come out of that and then have, have to put signs up all over the place saying, caution, hot tap contains hot water, I think is <laughs> patently ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us know hot taps contain hot water. Sure. Um, yeah, the, the micromanagement aspect of the job certainly speaks to that as well, mm. that low trust. So trend care um, then fed into, feeds into this other program that we're supposed to use called um, CAGS or care capacity at a glance, where we're supposed to now tally a certain number of points from trend care and that will tell us if we're um, staff over mm. what we need or staff under what we need and that's only worth one or two points and then we have to look at other aspects as well mm. so trend care is already telling us for example that we're down a staff member now we have to go to another program and then that that's only one or two points towards a, a system that will either tell us well you, you may be down a staff member or two but everything else looks fine so mm. just muddle through it or right on down to you're understaffed, you're overworked, you've got lots of sick patients, um, you've got junior staff and not senior staff on, and oh, we're going to highlight that in red. Mm. And certainly the area I've come from, if we're highlighted in orange or red, the idea is that we're supposed to get immediate help. Okay. On one particular occasion, that immediate help was, oh, you guys aren't going to get your lunch breaks, here's a cake. Wow. <laughs> was, was the cake good? <laughs> I mean, nurses always appreciate cakes, don't get me wrong, but sure. um, cake isn't going to help us, number one, take our legally required yeah. breaks. Number two, it's not going to mean that that patient over there gets better care. All and it means is that patient, uh, all it means is that nurses get cake. Sure. And can we talk a little bit about the actual work? that nurses do. Um, I have friends in education and teaching, for example, and mm. that we've talked a lot about how people have an idea of what a teacher's life looks like versus mm. what it actually is. Yeah. And I have a very strong sense it's the same about nursing. So it's almost like, have you seen those, those internet memes? It's like, you know, what people think I do, yeah. what my boss thinks I do, and then what I actually do? Yeah, yeah. So what do you actually do? What do I actually do? <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit of a bugbear of mine, to be honest. And right from, I, I was always going to be a nurse. Um, uh -huh. I used to give my dolls injections with safety pins. <laughs> <laughs> so nursing was always going to be what I wanted to do uh -huh. and 
on right from a very small child when you know parents ask the kids what do you want to be when you grow up and I always said I wanted to be a nurse mm. and my parents and my grandparents and everyone around me don't be a nurse be a doctor right um, and as, as stubborn as I am that wasn't going to happen <laughs> so I was always going to be a nurse and I, I think even even my family still struggle with understanding exactly what it is I do but probably the best way to highlight it, and I obviously come from a fairly narrow kind of specialised area, but in a typical day at work for me, um, because I'm sort of senior, um, I'm a shift coordinator. So when I first go in, I have to have an understanding of every patient that's in the unit that I'm working in, what mm. their uh, respiratory requirements are, what their medications are, what they're going to need for discharge, where their parents are at, because I look after small people. Um, and what you know, just their, their basic overall no, all needs. What are their IV requirements? Do they need extra care? Do they need extra procedures? And knowing what those procedures are and what they mean. Um, part of my job is uh, was to attend uh, births when things were going wrong in case the wow. infant needed resuscitation. Yeah. Um, and that took a bit of extra training and gave me a little bit of an extra allowance. Um, but. When things are going wrong during a delivery, I go into that delivery room and sometimes handed a grey or blue baby that's decided breathing is optional, and my job is to bring this baby back to life. Oh. That's not pillow fluffing. <laughs> <laughs> that's not mopping fevered brows. <laughs> that's high intensity, high, high acuity, and requires a lot of knowledge and yeah. a lot of experience. And nurses are doing this every day, hmm. um, not just... Um, in the environment I was working in, but we're leading resuscitations, we're bringing people back to life, um, or or being there when they die. So there's kind of that, that caring aspect that everyone talks about. Our nurses are really caring, they're angels and all those sorts of things. Yeah, it's part of the job, and most of us are really good at it, but then there's the physical, more medical side of things, I guess. Mm. When we're giving a medication, we have to know that what the doctor has charted is the right medication, it's the right dose, it's not going to interact with the patient's other medications, and then we're the ones responsible for giving it. So we have to have that knowledge around what the medication is and does and how it interacts with everything else that's going on for that patient, but we also have to know how to give it. Mm. The doctors only need to know how much to give and what to give it for, right. but we have to have that knowledge and then physically do the giving. Yeah. And then we're because we're physically giving it, we're also the, the backstop for doctors. So when they make mistakes, we're going back to them and say, hey, you've charted this wrong, it's the wrong dose, this is dangerous. We're catching their mistakes. And if we don't catch their mistakes, not only are they responsible for their mistakes, we're responsible for their mistakes. Right. Wow. And that's and that kinda kinda goes across the board. So medication, IV fluids, everything like that, we have to know how to do it. Um, we're putting in IV lines, we're taking bloods, um, certainly with the patient population that I deal with, um, if they need respiratory support so they're not able to breathe comfortably on their own, we're responsible for setting up, maintaining that, making mm. sure it's working for them and monitoring them while they're on it. Um, and that can include anything from looking at uh, a screen and going, okay, everything's looking good, to looking at the patient and going, well, the numbers on the screen look good, this patient doesn't look comfortable, or they're fighting it, or they're improving, or they're getting worse, to taking bloods and analysing the blood results. So, again, doing all these things while caring for the family because they're distressed and upset that their baby's unwell, um, and providing them with some education, teaching colleagues so that they know what's going on, mm. especially um, 
junior colleagues uh, when, when they're first starting out, how to use the equipment. So I think um, we have also have to be techno technologically savvy because some of the equipment's high tech. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not just that hand-holding, pillow fluffing, here's a glass of water <laughs> right. <laughs> sort of stuff. That comes into it for sure. Sure. But th there's technology involved and there's patient assessment involved and mm. there's bossing doctors around Because <laughs> <laughs> I think most nurses who've been around for a bit will tell you that we boss the doctors around. Sure. <laughs> and it's, it's also kind of, the, the, it's one thing to say there's the, the nature of the work, I suppose. But, but even, I guess, what a typical work day looks like as well. I mean, you're not doing nine to five every day. No. No, um, so there's kind of generally two options when it comes to hospital nursing. Obviously, there's things outside of that. Um, sure. Eight-hour shifts, so that's either seven till three thirty, or two thirty till eleven, or eleven till seven a.m. So mm -hmm. night shifts, or twelve-hour shifts, so seven till seven thirty at night, and then seven at night till seven thirty in the morning. Mm -hmm. So long shifts. Yeah. Um, and how 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 often do they happen? <laughs> um, so if you're working full time and doing twelve-hour shifts, you're looking at um, two, three hour, oh, sorry, three 12 hour shifts a week, uh -huh. and then on that third week, picking up a, an extra, so four 12 hour shifts. Okay. So it's 48 hours of. Mm. And when it's busy and you're not getting your breaks, <laughs> that's a lot of work. Who decided that was a good idea? Like, sorry, I'm just thinking, like, for a 12 hour shift from everything you've told me there, I would imagine, and this is not throwing rocks at anybody, mm. but if you talk to me at the 10th hour of doing anything, um, I imagine, you know, the chances of me making a mistake or even injuring myself mm. compared to, you know, the seventh or the eighth hour is much higher. How did that become a thing? Um, I think if you spoke to most nurses who do 12 hour shifts, we generally prefer it. Oh, really? Uh, more days off. Oh, right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, and personally, I have, having done eights and twelves, I would much rather get out three days in a row or even four days in a row and do 12 hour shifts mm. and then have three or four days off. Uh -huh. then get up five days in a row. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that, you know, by the hour 10, yeah, you're getting tired. But if, if we were getting the breaks that we're legally entitled to, okay. that can certainly be alleviated. Hmm. Um, and I know even in the area that I was working, which doesn't have the chronic understaffing that some of the other areas do, sometimes I wasn't getting a morning tea break till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. That's morning tea, and I've been mm. up since 7, yeah, at right. work since 7, and that's my first break. Sure. That's exhausting. Yeah. And it's not just the, the physical aspect of, you know, walking around here and there and doing things. It, it's noisy, mm. and it's just com constant bombardment of babies crying, people asking questions, alarms going off gets in your head what's the physical health like within nursing how are how are nurses doing physically <laughs> we subsist on cake and chocolate <laughs> can't be good for your long term though right um yeah no it's not and i know there's a lot of research around shift work as well and there's a lot of sort of management pushback most of us would prefer to either do days or nights mm -hmm. and not have to switch between. A lot of managers would prefer that every nurse does a mixture of days and nights. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Um, not entirely sure of the reasoning behind the management perspective. Mm. Um, I, I can sort of understand if, if um, nurses always do night shifts, they're not dealing with the emergencies and things that you get during the day post-operatively and all those sorts of things. 
so I can kind of see it in a in a upskilling kind of sense, mm. but I don't see the point beyond making sure that your nurse is maintaining their skills adequately. I don't see the point in sort of making everyone shift back and forth between the two. Mm. Um, I was certainly offered um, to change the the area that I worked in to go work in a similar area in another hospital, and I was said and I told the the manager, look, I'm happy to do that, but this, these are my work days because I have shared care of my kids. I would work four 12-hour shifts one week and do one night shift when I had the kids, and that was the way it was going to work for my family. And she said, no, I really want you to come and work here, but I can't do that for you. Mm. Couldn't do it. I can't make it work for my family. Um, and and I think that kind of indicates, I, I guess it makes it difficult for, for nurses to work around their families and things like that. It impacts that aspect of things as well. Mm. So it's very frustrating, mm. um, but there's also a lot of research around you know that that night shifting between night shifts and day shifts is really bad for your health. And people who do that for a sustained period, their life expectancy is reduced by about ten to fifteen years. Wow! And then, but that's what we're expected to do. Yeah. <laughs> and in in most areas, you get managers who are happy for permanent night staff, permanent day staff, but a lot of areas are not. Mm. And I can't see why we should have to work in an environment that's directly affecting our health to such an extent that it's reducing our life expectancy significantly. <laughs> yeah. Seemed reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Just die 10 years earlier, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Look after everyone else for 30, 40 years. Just die 10 years earlier, no problem. So let's, let's talk about the pay dispute pay, then in particular. Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot more to talk about then, but what I'm, what I'm hearing again and again is that the the objective from from a management level seems mm. there seems to be a very strong disconnect again that's my euphemistic way of putting it um <laughs> so tell me about the situation as of right now and bring everyone up to speed yeah so um looking at starting nurses and how much money they earn it's not a lot of money they're earning only slightly more than healthcare assistants mm-hmm. uh, when you when you come straight out of university with a three-year degree um <laughs> and a large student loan earning only sort of 50 cents an hour more than a healthcare assistant who I'm not don't mean to sort of put down healthcare assistants work because they work really hard but we're a trained profession with a university degree sure and that's not recognized financially and then by the time you've been nursing for four or five years that's it you can't earn any more money on your base rate it's capped right and we are already 17 percent a minimum of 17% um, below Australia's, our lowest paid nurse earns 17% less than Australia's lowest paid nurse, mm. and that's a new graduate nurse in, this, in New Zealand versus New South Wales. Okay. Um, but as the nurses in Australia go, uh, gain seniority, that, um, decrease, that increases to about 33%. Wow. So someone with my years of experience and professional development I'm th- about 33% below the equivalent of what I could be earning in Australia. So that's quite a lot of money. <laughs> Do we know how that happened? Like, that might be a huge thing to try and unpack, but... Um, I, I think there's several aspects to it, and it's never sort of that easy on the yeah. surface. The large, the last large pay increase nurses got was just before I started nursing, so about 15 years ago. I think it was in my last year of university, mm-hmm. and we got quite a significant pay increase. Mm-hmm. And that was over three years, I think it was about 21% or something like that, Um, which was reasonable. Mm. Um, But then since then, we haven't kept up with inflation. Sure. 
So every now and then our union negotiates with the DHBs and they come back with, okay, well, here's your 1.5% for the last, and that's, that's a three-year negotiation. So if you look at inflation, it's averaged about, what, 2.2% a year? Uh-huh. And we're getting one and a half or two percent over three years. Yeah. So we've just slipped behind over the last 15, 16 years. Mm. Um, so now we are significantly behind where we should be. And that's just from an inflation perspective. And now, um, obviously, this is kind of, a, kind of a loaded issue and there's a lot of um, backlash and a lot of people who disagree with this perspective. But nursing is a female-dominated do- profession mm-hmm. um, and traditionally speaking female dominated professions get paid a lot less than male dominated professions and I think that it's a really touchy subject mm-hmm. um, you won't offend me keep going <laughs> <laughs> no but I don't want to piss listeners off that's <laughs> no, fine Go for it. just playing the feminism card <laughs> um, I, I think I think we were underpaid to begin with and yeah. as the, the job has evolved to become more medicalized and less kind of pillow fluffing mm-hmm. um, and we've upskilled and what we're expected to do has evolved the pay hasn't evolved with it mm. even aside from the inflation issue um, we're a much more skilled profession than we were 20 30 years ago mm. the pay is certainly not reflected that in any sense mm. um, and and I think the gender issue does come into it that if it was a male dominated profession it would have been addressed a long time ago um, and only now we're looking at the, the pay equality and gender equality thing. And it's a, I know it's a really loaded issue. <laughs> and I know a lot of people disagree with it. But I, I think that it, hold, it stands. Um, you look at police uh, earning a lot more money and traditionally is a male-dominated mm. profession with uh, a lot less training. And I, I know some people would argue that it's a lot, uh, a lot more dangerous. You look at some of the stories that nurses are coming out with uh, around assaults. Mm. Um, it's certainly not that way at the moment. Really? Nursing is not safe for all nurses all the time. Can you can you speak a little bit more to that? Because I haven't heard a lot about that side of things. Um, particularly mental health, I think it's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, nurses being assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, and while you kind of need to be a bit careful, I guess, with um, patients with mental health issues, it can they a lot of them can be quite violent, and or you know people lash out when they're stressed. Um, Sexual assault is another kind of issue. Um, but a lot of nurses are reporting not feeling safe in their environment and also not feeling supported when they are assaulted to take things further. Mm. If you're walking down the street and someone comes up and punches you in the head, you're going to call the police, the police are going to come, the person's going to be arrested, it's going to be a whole process. Sure. Nurses are not getting the same support. And there was an article, I think, in the New Zealand Herald a couple of weeks back, uh, a nurse in a mental health environment was assaulted the police came and then refused to take the offenders away because they're inpatients in a mental health environment. Assault is assault. Mm. Um, and if we're caring for people, we need to be safe in doing so. Mm. Um, sexual assault's a whole other issue. <laughs> when I was going through nursing school, um, I, we spent a lot of time in older adult wards and um, Older men, generally speaking, well, you know, he's a pretty young nurse. So I'm going to see if she'll wash my genitals for me. Quite <laughs> capable of doing it on my own. And a lot of young nurses, particularly, they're straight out of high school, don't really know how to say no, aren't really supported in the idea that they're allowed to. Sure, I'll do that. Don't really need to. You can do it yourself. Sure. Um, it, 
that to the whole kind of sexy nurse trope that you see everywhere. <laughs> like, oh, you're a nurse, can I have a sponge bath? No, <laughs> not right now. That's <laughs> not appropriate. Um, yeah, I, I think um, the, the assault and the harassment is kind of across the board and it's, it's not safe. Yeah. That's an eye-opener. I've never <laughs> had no idea. It, it, it exists and I think 90% of nurses will tell you that they've been at least verbally assaulted or sexually harassed at some point in their career. And it's, it's frequent and it's common. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not a lot of recourse for us. We're not supported. We're, I, I guess we're kind of taught it's part of the job and you just have to deal with it. Mm. And I don't think we should have to just deal with it. It shouldn't be part of the job. And people mm. just, actually, people just need to stop. And we need to stop expecting and allowing it. It kind of comes back to that trust thing again. Like, mm. again, when, when you're in an environment where stuff can happen, I mean, you can be treated, in, you know, you mentioned earlier on in terms of how your work is delivered. There's mm. no trust there. Yeah. Um, in terms of how you're cared for by, you know, by management mm. or something like that. And there's no trust there mm. Mm. why do you do it why do we do it <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of us are really really asking ourselves that question right now yeah um i was born to be a nurse so it was easy for me um to to go into nursing and for the most part i've loved it mm. i i love that hands-on um i love knowing that i can walk into work and save a life Mm. There is an immense amount of satisfaction and reward in that. Mm. Um, I love knowing that I can make a really stressful experience a lot easier for a patient or a family. Mm. And I've certainly, um, I've got five kids, I, you know, they're not always well. And I've been in hospital with, with my kids when they've been unwell and the nurses have been amazing and they've inspired me as well. Yeah. Um, when my second son was uh, four weeks old, he got really, really sick. and. Uh, the nurses were fantastic and I hadn't done my degree at that point in time but it just reinforced for me I wanted to do for other families what those nurses had done for me in making that really stressful time less stressful sure or at least easier to manage and yeah. um, and there's an, an immense amount of reward in that um, I like that I it's not just pillow fluffing and hand holding because I'm not I, I, I I'm pretty good at that stuff but I like the technology and I like the emergencies and I like the hands-on and the, yeah. the kind of the, I guess, the more medicalized side of things. I love it. Um, I, I, I've learned a lot in this job about how to communicate with people, um, how to look after myself a bit better and, and building sort of barriers, which isn't always a good thing, <laughs> but about how to, I, I guess, do the hands-on stuff of nursing. Mm. Uh, a lot about how the body works and, and a lot about teaching and mentoring others. And I guess the, the reason we do, most of us do it at the end of the day, we want to do all those things. Mm. We want to make um, people better or at least make their unwellness easier to manage mm. or even their deaths easier to manage. Yeah. That idea of, of, of self-care within in nursing yeah. as well, like that sounds like quite a thing. I think it's something that we're starting to encourage and I certainly do with um, students that I deal with. Um, 
I like to reiterate to them that self-care is really, really important. Yeah. It's something that it's taken me a long time to embrace for myself. Sure. Um, for me, um, I was married, I had kids, I was a nurse, and everyone else came first all the time. Mm. Um, and it took getting divorced and, and sort of having a bit more time to myself to sort of go, actually, I'm going to be a bit selfish. Sure. Um, I'm going to lock myself in my room and just watch whatever crap I want to on Netflix. Or <laughs> yeah. I want a new pair of shoes. They're not practical and I don't need them for work. Too bad I'm earning some money. I'm going to buy myself a new pair of shoes. Mm. Or I feel like a glass of wine. I'm going to have the whole bottle. <laughs> yeah, so self-care is really, really important. Um, but I think most of us who work in the healthcare profession, but particularly nurses, really, really good at looking after other people. Yeah. Really, really crap at looking after ourselves. I mean, the, hearing that as well makes it easy for me, and again, I'm no expert on this as well, but to think about how you end up in an environment where you can be so underpaid. Mm. Because ultimately, as I said, it feels like at the front lines, it's more about patient care, and you're thinking, well, at the end of the day, oh, well, yeah, if this is what other people need, then I'll do that. Yeah. I think part of the, the pay issue comes into that, that we've been so reluctant to kind of push for strikes and stand our ground and say, pay us more money, because yeah. we're so busy, we don't want to see our patients hard done by. Yeah. We take late breaks because we can't say to a patient, no, I can't do this for you right now, I need to go have something to eat for myself. Mm. Because the expectation is that's what we do, we put our patients first. And I think that needs to shift. If you're working in any other environment, if you're repairing, a, if you're a mechanic and you're repairing a car and you need to go have a lunch break, you go have your damn lunch break. Mm. You're not going to fix the, the car. You're going to make the car and the client wait an extra half hour. Yeah. But in healthcare or in nursing in particular, and I'm not even talking about emergencies. Sure. We're just talking about the general day-to-day, -day, oh, you want to have a shower right now? Okay, I'm going to have a break first, then I'll come back in half an hour and shower you. We should be okay to do that. Yeah. Yet we don't do it. No. Um, some Obviously, some things can't wait. But some a lot of things can, and we should be making them. Yeah, yeah. Does it feel like a bit of a catch-22? Because I know you've done some work as an educator as well, mm. uh, that... On the one hand, you're standing in front of these people saying, this is, a, this is the career path you've chosen, and this is how we do that, but also on the back of your mind thinking, <laughs> should I really be telling them this? Like, maybe they should all become lawyers, but they'll be treated better. Wait a and paid a lot <laughs> Run for the hills. Um, that was certainly something that I was worried about when I first kind of um, went into education, but... I think with the, the change or the momentum that we're seeing um, with the public support and strikes and rallies and things at the moment, mm. it's, it's reiterated for me that we can affect some change now. Mm. Um, generally speaking, I think nursing's an awesome profession and there is a lot of satisfaction in it. I've learned a lot, I've done a lot, I've seen a lot, and I get a lot of um, pride in being able to sort of say, I'm a nurse, this is what I do, and I'm proud of that. Um, I'm proud of the fact that I can come home from work some days and tell my kids you know, I saved a baby's life today. Yeah. And that's immensely rewarding. Um, Career-wise, once you've got a foot in the door and you've got a few years' experience, doors are open. I, mm. If I wanted to go to Australia and earn 33% <laughs> more money than I'm making right now, doors open for me to do that and I could do it quite easily and get a job very easily mm -hmm. um, and even within New Zealand if I wanted to up sticks and go to the South Island I can I can do that and know that I get a job fairly easily um, so I think there that it, I, I guess um, job security 
as mm. a, I mean, that's quite a good thing. Mm. Um, and the rewarding factor, I mean, that's huge as well. I don't, I wouldn't want to do a job where I was paid a lot more and got a lot of, a lot less satisfaction out of it. Mm. At the same time, <laughs> I still got to pay my bills. Yeah. And cost of living in Auckland is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I, I work really hard caring for other people. I don't want to just pay my bills. I want to be able to take a holiday. I haven't been overseas in a long, long time. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm fairly senior in a well-respected profession. Anyone else senior in a well-respected profession other than nursing would be able to afford to take holidays. Mm. I can't afford to take holidays. So, um, yeah, it, it is a tricky one. But I think if we, we've got some momentum and some power to affect a bit of change right now. And I think we really need to push as hard as we can to change as much as we can. So what do nurses want? What do nurses want? Um, better staffing on the wards. Um, what's better? What's better? <laughs> more. <laughs> <laughs> Generally speaking, more. Um, I think, I, I mean, I can't speak for normal wards because I haven't worked in a normal um, adult oriented ward for a long long time mm. but staffing needs to be adequate that every nurse is taking every break they're entitled to on every shift and leaving on time on every shift yeah. so accounting for time to write notes and accounting for those extra things that crop up during the day that you just you can't plan for um, I can walk into work at the beginning of my shift and say here's my plan for the day mm. doesn't yeah. account for a sick patient walking in three hours later and needing three hours of of one-on-one -on -one care sure. to stabilize you can't account for that there goes my whole day plan out the window yeah. there's overtime from someone there's breaks not taken there's notes not written so there needs to be adequate staff to make up for that the unknown factor mm. it's not like yeah it's not like we can plan everything so there needs to be staff cover to cover the unknown okay what else um I, I think there needs to be better support from um, managers to ensure that if staff are feeling unsafe and whether that be from a patient care capacity that they can't safely care for their patients mm. or that they're physically unsafe mm. from the patients, um, that there's support to address that to the full extent of the law mm. and not this brush over of oh, mentally unwell or stressed patient we're just going to ignore that yeah. um, I think there needs to be a better support from that perspective as well mm -hmm. um, I think the DHBs generally speaking in New Zealand have this kind of idea of as long as it looks good on the outside doesn't matter what it looks like underneath uh -huh. um, an example of that one of the local Auckland DHBs has a campaign going for has had a campaign going for a while friendliest DHB in New Zealand or something along those lines and there's posters up everywhere showing happy smiley faces yeah not really addressing the fact that perhaps the staff aren't actually happy and smiling <laughs> as long as the posters are happy and smiling sure yeah and I think that's patiently ridiculous you look after your staff they will be happy and smiling you won't have to tell everyone they're doing it because you can see they're doing it sure um I think money is a huge factor as well. Mm. But I think for a lot of nurses, it's that safe staffing. Making sure there's adequate staff to provide the care that we want to for our patients in a timely fashion that's also looking after our needs. Mm. Yeah, that's probably the... Yeah, and we shouldn't have to fight for that. We shouldn't have to fight for your safety. Yeah. 
I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys are damn lucky that us nurses are fighting for your safety, but we shouldn't have to. It shouldn't yeah. be our fight. Yeah. It should not be our fight. When it comes to the pay side of things as well, mm. what what's the goal? Um, I don't think you'll find a consensus on that. Um, there seems to be kind of a, a bit of a campaign started up, and I don't think it was started by our own union. I think mm. it was started by a different union, 18% in 2018. Uh-huh. I think that's a starting point. Yeah. But I think we're already something like 22% behind just on inflation yeah. from our last major pay increase and I think that needs to be the starting point catch us up to where inflation says we should be yeah and then look at okay here's what the job actually is here are the requirements of the job what are like professions paying yeah. and go from there to add on to that catch up because mm. um, it's not an easy job <laughs> we have to know a lot <laughs> um, and I, we should be paid in a way that's commensurate with other kind of professions that have similar knowledge base. Mm. So I'm going to put on the devil's advocate hat because I can feel people listening who might not, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, where does that money come from? Because I think this is a, a thing that I think we all struggle to understand mm. when we have a, a publicly funded health system. Yeah. Where fortunately, uh, we are not, broadly speaking, we're not profit driven. No. But there is a need for, and this is where you'll have to fill in my understanding, but for each of the health boards to basically report a healthy balance sheet yep. each year. So yep. you're not profit driven, but you kind of are. Yeah. Right? So they, they are obviously on budgets. Yeah. Um, and tr- traditionally, our union has negotiated directly with the DHBs. Hmm. And, and certainly since um, 2000, whatever year it was, I don't know, um, there's been a nationwide collective agreement for all nurses and all DHBs across the country and obviously that money does directly come from the government to the DHBs and then it's allocated out to pay nursing staff pay medical staff pay for equipment pay for Mm. building upkeep and all those sorts of things the obvious answer is that the money comes from the taxpayer sure um and I can understand a bit of reticence about wanting to increase that because that's less money for other things. Mm. But I sincerely believe that we shouldn't be looking at having a surplus at the end of a, a financial year from the from the government. If there's a surplus, you should be spending more money mm. in the in the key areas, healthcare and education. Mm. If you're coming out at the end of your financial year with a surplus, why are you not putting that money back into those those key areas of healthcare and education? Um, and I think maybe there's some spending going on within DHBs that doesn't need to be occurring. Ooh. <laughs> How much can we talk about that without getting you in trouble? I don't know a lot about it, but I, I do know that there, there are things that could be streamlined. Do we need four D, three DHBs in Auckland? I'm, I would kind of say maybe not. Okay. Um, and they've all got their own operating budgets and they're all paying their own CEOs and, mm. and this person and that person. Do we actually need that many? I don't know. <laughs> I would say maybe we need to be looking to Australia and see what they're doing. Sure. Um, and see how they're managing things because they're paying their nurses more. Mm. And it's not a per capita thing. It's not a, that they're care, their nurses are caring for more patients because their, their staffing levels are better. Mm. So what are they doing right that we're struggling with? Mm. Um yeah it's quite a tricky one but i think at the end of the day if you if you want monkeys you pay peanuts yeah if right. you want well-trained hard-working 
satisfied staff who want to do a good job for you for and that goes across the board whatever business you're in you pay them accordingly sure mm. and it becomes that cycle too doesn't it when you're talking about quality of care and mm. even efficiency right that yep. the more you have disgruntled or, or just not looked after people this is any industry yep. right? the good people leave and that means the the new people come on board they take longer they're yep. less well equipped quality of care drops and you go oh well we, we need to crack down on this kind of stuff yeah which pushes people out which yep. brings in yep and we get the whole downward spiral. Yep. And you'll find that, that there are a lot of nurses leaving, either leaving the profession altogether because the work is too hard for the money we're getting. And, yeah. you know, I could earn just, not well, maybe not as much money, but go work in glasses folding T-shirts with yeah, no one right. going to die if I screw it up. Right. Um, and make a living off that versus, you know, lives are at risk. You're paying me poorly, a lot of stress, and you you take home your work. It's stressful. You think about your patients when you come home at the end of the day. Or you have to <laughs> go straight to the shower and wash off whatever they've thrown at you that day, vomit and feces and God knows what else. Um, yeah, how do you, how do you, I mean, that's, that's a fair, like, you know, in terms of professions that, yeah, as you say, you, you take the word home, work home with you. Mm. I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, in terms of psychologically and, and physically as well, I mean, mm. what kind of support do nurses get in that respect or how does that side of the job get accounted for? Um, <laughs> it, it really depends. We do get um, EAP, um, so free counselling if you need it. You're entitled to three sessions per incident um, with a, a counsellor that's signed up. And I think a lot of um, industries have similar sorts of programmes. Okay. Uh, so employee assistance programme, and it's just looking at, mm -hmm. yeah, here's some free counselling because you're stressed. Mm -hmm. um, but there's three sessions per incident. And, uh, you know, some of us, we, we will never use it. Some mm. people need, need it a lot more. But there are patients that do affect you deeply. I can still remember the first baby that I cared for that died. Um, and I sent him home well. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call that he'd passed away. And that you, you keep that with you. Mm. That you'd spent all this time with this person and there's nothing you can do to save it. And certainly in the area I'm working, I work in, um, my colleagues have certainly experienced unexpected deaths on the job or things going horribly wrong and you even though you know kind of in the front of your head that you've done everything right and you've done all you can there's still that guilt what if I'd tried this what mm. more could I have done and I'd say every nurse who's, who's lost a patient or seen a patient deteriorate feels that way what could I have done better to prevent this happening and it stays with you for a long long time it's not something you can just sort of say oh, I did everything I could it's fine sure People will tell you that, <laughs> and that's very nice. Yeah, <laughs> and you can talk through it and hash through it, and but it it still sticks with you. What could I have done differently? And yeah. even uh, like I've got lots of experience, and I've and I know what I'm doing. Generally speaking, I still feel that way when something goes wrong. What did I do wrong? Yeah, it's not necessarily something I've done wrong, but you still hold it with you, and it's hard not to. Yeah, or you get patients who. They're really complicated, maybe not medically, but socially, and so you worry about, you know, what sort of home are they going to go home to, or how are they going to feed the kids tonight, or how are they going to even get home? It's, it's raining, and they've got no car, and they've got this newborn baby that they have to get home somehow, and they can't afford a taxi. How are they going to get home? Yeah. And you worry about all of those sorts of things, and it's impossible not to, and I don't think you'd find a nurse on the planet who will tell you 
that when they leave the hospital at the end of the day, they just switch off and don't even think about their patients at all. Because we do. Yeah. We, we care. Even yeah. if we don't remember your name next week, <laughs> doesn't mean we didn't care. Yeah. 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 And yeah, certainly there's ones that stick with you a lot longer. Yeah. Mm. I've, I've observed too that within nursing, there's um, the risk of giving away trade secrets. I know there's a, a little bit of kind of dark humor that kind of keeps... <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never met a nurse who doesn't have a warped sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, of, one of my jobs is teaching CPR. Uh-huh. And uh, probably anyone who's ever done a CPR course knows staying alive is kind of the tempo that you kind of adhere yes. to. Yeah. Another one bites the dust has a similar <laughs> tempo. <laughs> Not really appropriate when you're teaching CPR. <laughs> but I think this is the thing that when when you're dealing with, I mean, something that is literally life and death. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty narrow band of things that we say are literally yeah. life and death. Yeah. But this is. It is. Not always, not 100% of the time, but certainly a large proportion of the time. Yeah. 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 And sometimes it can be as subtle as, oh, your blood pressure's a bit wonky, what's mm. going on? Mm. Or, there's a bit more blood there than I was expecting, mm. what's going on? Sure. And, and sometimes it's glaringly obvious, as a patient who's not breathing with no pulse. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're trained to, to pick up the subtle signs sure. and react to them, and also the obvious ones and react mm. to them. Yeah. We do directly save lives. It's not all about the, the halo and wings, <laughs> angel caring stuff. It's that hands-on, I'm going to stop you from dying right now. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we've talked about some of the things that, that, um, that nurses can have done for, you know, to kind of relieve some of that stress or I'm trying to find the right words for it. But it can be a bit misdirected sometimes at other nurses. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, um, there, there is that, that saying that nurses eat their young. Right. Um, and there is a lot of bullying that goes on within nursing. And that's something that's starting to come out more and more, uh, which I think is really, really good. It's not, not something we should be glossing over. It's something we should be making glaringly obvious. Um, it, it is a really hard one to address. I think because what what one's what's one person's bullying is another person's mentoring and guiding. I guess. Right. right. Um, when I see a, a colleague or a student make a mistake, most of the time I will correct them in a way that they feel they've been corrected and taught and now know better. Sure. But I've certainly had a, a complaint brought against me from one particular student who didn't like the way I was questioning her practice and and felt that I was bullying her. Mm. Um, so I think that's quite tricky, mm. um, and I, I wouldn't consider myself a bully. Mm-hmm. I was quite shocked by that one. Yeah. Um, and certainly a lot of my colleagues, I would agree, they're probably not bullies, but maybe their manner is a bit abrupt or a bit gruff sometimes. Sure. Um, but I'm also aware that bullying can and have significant effects. Mm. Um, I've had colleagues leave a particular hospital environment because bullying was coming from management down and mm. if you wanted to be on the side of the the manager and get on her good side and not be a target you joined in wow and um, so you target the other people and that can go from just excluding them from things to talking about them behind the back or direct sabotage of of patient care mm. and and then there's um one incidents that's kind of anecdotal i was told by a colleague 
um, of a nurse going and adjusting the respiratory support on another patient unbeknownst to that nurse and then coming along and saying to her you haven't checked your checked your settings this is wrong and she's de- deliberately done that mm. so that she could get that nurse into trouble for not checking the things properly mm. um and that that's so i mean it's dangerous for a patient but it's also i mean that can be career ending and yeah. we know bullying can lead to life ending as well yeah so i, I think it's something that we need to change um i think there's a bit of a a mentality that I endured it, so you're going to endure it too. And I, yeah. yeah, and and I think that goes a, a medical. I know that's a medical thing as well that we had to work these ridiculous hours, and our consultants were like this, so we're going to do it to you. Mm. And nursing certainly does it too. Well, I I did it, so now I'm going to do it to you, and I I don't agree with that. I have a friend who um, does a lot of youth speaking, mm-hmm. and I actually wish now, as I'm thinking about it, it, would have been great to get some of the info from him because he talks about with them bullying in schools. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that came to mind when you were speaking as well was that what might blow a lot of people's minds is that it's something upwards of two thirds of bullies don't know that their behavior is being interpreted as bullying mm. and would literally change if you said, by the way, do you realize that person felt bullied? They're like, oh, I had no idea. Um, mm. So I can, I can see that being a thing. Yep. But more high level again, I mean, bullying anyone who bullies is not in a good place yeah you know yep. and and from everything you've said to me as well i mean i just find it symptomatic of a a, a wider uh, yeah yeah kind You're of thing probably right that statistic surprises me actually well it kind of does and it doesn't yeah. um makes sense i guess yeah yeah um and yes stress stressed people lash out absolutely yeah. they do yeah um yeah it is, uh, it's a tricky one to address, I think, but I think we all need to kind of just be a bit more aware of it. We're really good at caring for our patients. Yeah. Why are we not caring for each other a bit better too? Mm. 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 Yeah. Well, it speaks to that, when we were talking about trust before. Yeah. Right? That, you know, the opposite of that is, you know, is that sense of feeling safe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, it goes across the board in nursing. We're not feeling safe within our work environments. We're not trusting our managers to take care of us in the way that we should be taken care of, mm. i.e. kept safe. Um, and managers aren't, aren't trusting us adequately. And that's quite a tricky one to address. But when you're in a position where we are the employees, we don't have a lot of power. Sure. So I feel like a, a lot of that um, needs to filter down, that the managers need to trust us, pay us better, trust us more, take care of us better, mm. and we'll reciprocate. We know that we're being taken care of, we're going to trust our managers to take care of us and do, do their jobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for anyone who's, who's been listening as well and thinking, okay, look, I want to I wanna show my support, or like, what's, what are the next steps? Next steps. Um, so there's rallies going on um, nationwide at the moment um, through the New Zealand Nurses Organisation, which is our union. They're organising rallies outside hospitals. Um, so you can go along, pick up a banner and wave. Mm-hmm. Or if you drive past one of the rallies, you can toot your horn and show your support. Uh-huh. Um, there is, um, and also nationwide marches being organised on International Nurses Day, which is the 12th of May. Um, for Auckland, that's starting outside uh, Auckland Domain, just beside Auckland Hospital. Mm. I think at midday, but um, that's uh, that information's available online. Mm. Um, join in. Um, there, uh, the Nurses Union 
NZNO are organising a health needs nurses campaign mm. and you can send virtual postcards to the government um, you can volunteer your time there's all sorts of things available through that campaign that you can join in on but I also think um, for the most part ask just about everyone will know a nurse ask nurses what is it that you actually do don't make the assumption that we're just fluffing pillows and giving you your paracetamol or your antibiotics ask them and try and gain an understanding of of how hard and how important the work is that we do don't tell nurses to be doctors instead. <laughs> <laughs> You're too smart to be a nurse. Go and be a doctor. It's probably the worst insult I've ever had. <laughs> I hate it with a passion. Don't tell people that. Um, support your nurses. Be nice to your nurses. Understand that your nurses, when if you're unwell, that your nurses are working really, really hard to try and support you and, and get you as well as possible. Yeah. Don't abuse them. Don't ask them for sponge baths. It's <laughs> <laughs> so creepy. I don't know what that's really creepy. Right, and honestly, trying to, to trying to date as a at my age and then tell people oh, I'm a nurse. Oh, a sponge bath. No. Oh god. And and that's outside of the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens inside hospitals as well. It's ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, look after us the way that we look after you. If, you. if you've got a nurse in your life, I think, make them cups of tea, take them cake, um, and don't bitch about your tax money going towards paying nurses more because we earn it. You definitely do. We definitely do. You definitely do. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. So if, if, now, if somebody wants to either get in touch with somebody from the Nurses Association or something like that, or like, is there a point of call that people can, you can direct them towards if they want to make some more deliberate action on that front? Um, so probably nzno.org.nz, I think is the website. That's right. Quick check of the phone. Please Quick hold. check of the phone. Please call <laughs> yeah, it is. nzno.org.nz. And there is a um, support and get involved tab on that page. Okay. Um, so that's probably the, the first protocol. Um, that's directly our union. They're organizing rallies and they'll organize strike action and they're negotiating currently with the government. Um or they're having meetings with the government anyway. Yes. Um, so that's probably the first port of call. There is the um, Hear Our Voices Nurse Florence Facebook page that has, I think, 41,000 subscribers currently, um, which is fantastic. Um, jump on there. You can read some amazing stories about what nurses actually do and what we're going through at the moment. Um, a lot of them are quite daunting and quite dark and quite scary. There are a few kind of little rays of sunshine, but... Uh, I think if someone really wants to understand where we're at and how serious we are, that's the page to go mm. to. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably... The, the, those would be the two main places to look awesome. where, where you can support us. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, thank you again, Danny. It's been, been eye-opening for me, and I do appreciate it. And I hope in some small way this can um, lead to a little more support and understanding from people for you too. So appreciate thanks for making the time. Appreciate your time. Home. Thank you. You've got quite a cool little view out through the trees and stuff here as well. Which yeah, is and nice and close to the beach. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, and now for you, dear listener, if you've enjoyed this episode too, I'd I would love to hear from you as well. So you can always get in touch with me via um, the Andrew Curtis Show at gmail.com. But um, don't forget all those different places that Danny mentioned as well if you want to show your support for Nurses Yourself as well. Um, but thanks again for listening. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants.